Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. I'm April Vokey, and you are listening to Anchored my chance to speak with some of the most influential people involved in the outdoors today. Join me as I sit down with my guests to learn more about their careers, opinions, history, relationships, and life both indoors and out. Christian Schaff is the founder of Uncharted Supply Co. His company specializes in kits built for unexpected survival situations. He started the company after seeing dozens of motorists stranded on the side of the highway during a blizzard in Colorado. On this episode of Anchored, we discuss the first 72 hours of survival, Christian's experience on Shark Tank, and marketing without evoking fear. Also, exciting news over here, we are in the final editing stages of our Tom Brown Masterclass, which is based around the first 72 hours of survival. I'll include the waitlist link in the write-up of this episode. This episode of Anchored is brought to you by Athletic Brewing Company. Athletic Brewing Company brews delicious craft beer that just happens to be non-alcoholic. As someone who is regularly appointed designated driver, there are times, especially after a long hot day on the water, where I'd also like to relax and drink a cold beer after fishing all day. Athletic Brewing Company is the perfect substitute for those of us who crave an ice-cold beverage without needing to worry about alcohol content. In 2020, they donated over $300,000 to trail restoration and backcountry safety through their Two for the Trails program, where 2% of all sales dollars went to maintaining trails and parks. Since they make non-alcoholic beer, they're able to ship it through the mail directly to you, and to sweeten the deal, they're offering free shipping on two six-packs or more. Try their award-winning beers at athleticbrewing.com and use code ANCHOR20 to get 20% off your first order. I was born in Richland Center, Wisconsin. Uh, I moved to Barron, Wisconsin when I was zero. So home has always been Barron, but I was technically birthed in Richland Center, which is a few hours south. You seem like you have that Wisconsin kind of vibe. Um, how long did you live there for? Uh, until 
after college. So, I, I mean, I grew up on a dairy farm in northwest Wisconsin. They say if you're north of Highway 8, it's the Northwoods. And I was a solid eight miles north of Highway 8. So, um, you know, I grew up I, – our farm was very interesting. It was, it was several thousand acres of crops. And then we had a wood shavings business my great-grandpa started. So, it had semis running to like two harbors, Minnesota, Superior, Wisconsin, every day, bringing back like byproduct from the mills. We had um, – clones and embryos and genetic stuff with our dairy cattle. My dad had a biodiesel plant. We raised canola seed. So it was very kind of entrepreneurial, but at the same time, like I always joke, and this is true, I, I have a hernia scar from when I was eight years old because I bailed hay all summer. I didn't get to play Little League, right? So um, it was a lot of like pretty interesting forward thinking mixed with busting your butt. And, um, you know, that was that's how I grew up. So I went to school, school at Wisconsin. Um, I moved to Minneapolis, which was just 90 miles down the road, um, I think two years after I graduated, three years, because I had a band that started taking off. So I was there till, you know, 1920. Right. Oh, sorry. I was like, 22, well, you're very old. Yeah, no, but that's fantastic. There's a lot of life's lessons in working in the field and in farms, isn't there? I don't want to say I hated it growing up, but... Like most kids, I wanted to play Little League and I wanted to go to the lake. And I'll never forget, you know, getting phone calls of, you know, to come play. And I had to rake hay all day. And that's really hard to understand when you're, you know, single digits years old or, you know, 10 or 12. But um, looking back, it instilled a lot in me that has really been profound in my life and made a big difference. So I'm thankful for it now. But it was definitely hard growing up that way, if I'm honest. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it is, especially when you have parents who are cracking the whip on you, but as an, you know, I grew up similarly, my parents did not take it easy on me. And looking back now at my entrepreneurial spirit, and I'm sure it's similar with you. Don't you look at your discipline and your focus and your drive and go, ah, well, maybe if they weren't quite so hard on me, I wouldn't be quite so disciplined myself. Yeah. I mean, none of my friends to this day understand why I get up four or 5 a.m. But it, it's literally, I think my DNA changed at some point that that's when I wake up. But I'm I'm very productive and I get a lot done and I, I enjoy hard work and I enjoy pushing. And I think that sometimes when you're starting a business like I am now, that can be the, the 1% that makes you successful versus not. So yeah, I'm, I'm really thankful for it. Um, and happy with how things have turned out. Now, what I'm really interested in is not about any of the stuff that I've read on the internet. And to be fair, I haven't done a crazy stalkerish search on you. I just usually look at the first few pages. I realize that a lot, there's a lot of focus on an ex-girlfriend. I don't uh, care. Sorry. There's a lot. Of, Thank <laughs> that's, you. That's all right. There's a lot of focus on what you're doing at at work as a business person, as a business owner myself. I do care. We'll touch on that later. But what I'm really interested in is your story and how it relates to the outdoors because I couldn't find a lot on that. So, I mean, tell me, are, are like, are you an, I know you're an outdoorsman, but are you a, a, an angler? Are you a, a hunter? Are you both? Are you just a survival enthusiast? Like, what's your story there? Yeah, I would say um, I've had a hardcore case of hobby creep for the last 20 years of my life where I just keep tacking on different things. Uh, growing up, whitetail hunting in Wisconsin, you know, I had a little uh, Plano tackle box and I'd ride my bike down to the river and go fishing. And while my dad is a hunter and my grandpa is a hunter, you know, Thanksgiving, the whole family would get together and do drives through cornfields and all that. My family really just worked a lot. So it wasn't like we got these great bonding weekends or weeks out in the woods where I was taught skills, right? It, 
it was very much a part of life, but it was kind of like you squeezed it in when you could. And, and to be totally honest, I, I mean, growing up, I, I used to race snowmobiles. Um, I, I love being outside. I loved nature, but it, it, it's, I think people envision, you know, you and your dad in the woods for a weekend at deer camp or something. And we didn't really have that because my, my family was working. So over time, I think I've just craved that and it just continues to grow. I mean, I, spend more time outdoors than anybody I know in my circles. I, I go elk hunting before work a lot of days in the fall. I go fishing afterwards and I bring a couple of trout home and have dinner. Um, I am outside as much as possible in all weather, whether it's hunting or fishing or mountain biking or just running with my dog. So um, yeah, there's not a lot of documentation of that online. Um, usually nobody's with me, you know, it's me and my dog. But if you go to my if you go to my Instagram page, you're going to see that just about everything is outside. And um, that's, that's kind of where I just feel happiest. Yeah. Yeah. Well, welcome. You're in, you're in the right, uh, you're, you're speaking to your, to the right audience. Well, let's just dive right into why you're sitting here. So you've obviously sure. created this incredible company and um, it's, so it's Uncharted Supply. And obviously I'll include all the links here. This is not a paid promotion for anyone listening. Uh, I literally just met Christian like what, uh, 10 minutes and three seconds ago, yep. <laughs> it, it, you were recommended to me by uh, my good friend, a lot of people will know as a past guest on the show, Jen Ripple, who owns and runs Dunn Magazine. And she said, Christian's got this incredible story. So let's hear it. Tell us what you're doing now, and then we'll dive into um, survival situations and why what you're doing could be helpful for a lot of people listening. Sure. So do you want to, do you want to hear the kind of origin story. Yeah. So I've kind of told the beginning, right? Growing up on a farm, you know, my family also, when it, when it snowed and it snowed a lot growing up, you know, we had the tractors to plow the neighborhood out and that's what we would do. Or if a tornado came through, I mean, I remember many times in my childhood throwing chainsaws in the truck and riding in the back of the truck with the dogs, you know, 20 miles away to where there were a bunch of trees down and we'd, we'd chop trees. I mean, I just, I grew up in a place where people helped each other and people navigated things together. And that was just normal life. So, you know, I went to college at the University of Wisconsin. I uh, got a couple degrees there. I had this this little band I was playing in. I, I kept saying, you know, I'm going to stick with this as long as it keeps growing. And it just kept growing and growing and growing. We had we had record deal offers. We never signed any because, frankly, they were slavery contracts. But we played in 30-some countries, did three albums. Um, you know, we did a, na- a national anthem at a NASCAR race. It was like 173,000 people in Phoenix one time. I mean, we'd have big crowds. We'd have small crowds. But, you know, you'd, you'd go from uh, Cabo Wabo and, and playing some sold-out show there. And then the next two nights later, you're in St. Paul, Minnesota, and six people show up, and it's 10 below zero. And it was just such a roller coaster. And I was so goal-oriented. It was really hard to feel, like, fulfilled. You know, I, I like I – like, you know, I always tell people, um, if, if you're a hundred meter sprinter, if you're the fastest guy, you're going to get paid. But in the music industry, it was completely arbitrary. You never knew if you were ahead or behind or, or who was going to win. And that was really hard for me. So we did this for years and years, seven or eight years. I was about kind of done with it. I think we were kind of, it was funny because we were getting more and more opportunities, but I was feeling less and less fulfilled. And we were at South by Southwest in Austin, Texas. And some guys in very tight haircuts came up and said, Hey, you want to go play for the troops overseas? And I said, yeah, sure. Let's go. So, um, we went over for three or four weeks, played, you know, uh, Kuwait, Iraq, Bahrain, UAE. Um, they had us come back. It went really well. Uh, and on the second trip back, I talked to the chief of programs, Colonel Scott Rainey, and I said, hey, what's what's the hardest thing about your job? And he said, you know, there's 
there's like 300, I can't remember exactly. He's like, there's 350 bases here and I can only get music to 50 of them. And the reason being, it was too dangerous to convoy at the time. So you had to fly everywhere. And 300 of those bases were, were forward operating bases, FOBs or JSSs, Joint Security Stations, really small footprints. They didn't have a landing strip. And bands were using huge PA systems that required an airplane to carry them. So my brother and I went home. And at the time, we were living in Minneapolis. We were working with guys from Prince's Band. Uh, we shared a practice space with Soul Asylum. We were writing songs with Phil Solom from the Rembrandts, who wrote I'll Be There For You, the Friends theme. So we had this really amazing network. And we went to our sound engineers and said, guys, we measured the inside of a Blackhawk. It's this big. How do we make a loud sound system that we can pack in and drop into these bases? Um, so to make a long story short, uh, we, we kind of proved the concept. <clears throat> My brother and I ended up uh, supplying a majority of the entertainment for Operation Iraqi Freedom and Operation Enduring Freedom for, for tons of years. And we still do it occasionally at different places. You know, that war is drawn down. But there's still bases that uh, you know, work with us to send groups over. But my band played 150 shows. We were named Armed Forces Entertainers of the Year. Um, and then from there, we kind of expanded and we did a thing called Bikes Over Baghdad. We built skate parks at bases and take the X Games guys over. We do comedians. And then I started guiding around bands. So I'd take the Pussycat Dolls over or I'd take the Spin Doctors or whoever. And um, this all is a point, by the way, but but it was a lot of You'd, you'd pack a backpack at the beginning of the day and you had some people you're responsible for and you'd get on a helicopter and the plan was to come home that night. But if there was a sandstorm or a firefight or some other mission needed, you know, the air support, you could be stuck somewhere for two, three days. And these were very, very bare bones bases where, I mean, they would get a cooler of food dropped off for every three days by a helicopter and that's what they had to eat. So you had to think about food and what you're going to sleep in and, and, and medicine. I mean, you had to be self-sufficient. Right. And that just became very normal. So, um, you know, and in between then, when I was coming home, we started working with brands like GoPro and Harley Davidson. We ended up doing a lot of work for them. Um, and so I learned a lot about kind of marketing at the same time and, you know, just great brands. Um, so I, I go from farm kid to a lot of time in Iraq. I mean, I've spent, if you count the days, you know, well over 400 days in country, uh, 39 trips. Um, and then I took a job in California. So as everything wound down, I became the VP of marketing at this app company. And it, it was the best paycheck I ever had. Um, it was a very sterile white corner office, nine to five. And I've never felt less fulfilled in my life. It's just after kind of putting your life on the line for doing something where you truly felt like you were making a difference to just sit and, and gather a paycheck and build an app. I, I, I didn't like it. So I was thinking about what was next and what I could do next. And I love the outdoors, as we talked about earlier. I love adventure. I, you know, I've, I've climbed a bunch of mountains at this point. I've gone on elk hunts in Montana. I've done all this stuff. Um, but, but the outdoor space is saturated, right? I mean, if you go to the outdoor retail show, every brand is basically a different cut of the same Gore-Tex material, or, you know, it's just, it's a lot of copycat. And so being a marketing guy to kind of a product, I'm like, man, there's, until I find a space where it makes sense, I'm not going to get into it. Um, and so I decided to go to um, Steamboat Springs skiing one New Year's. I loaded up my F-150. I had two buddies with me. Uh, and in the mountains outside of Orange County, California, it snowed like two inches. And traffic stopped for eight hours. And I sat there for hours um, in what would just be trivial to me in northern Minnesota the rest of my life. Or northern Wisconsin, I'm sorry. Um, and my friends in Steamboat are calling me saying, where are you? It's great skiing. And I'm frustrated because 
I, I just can't understand what kind of human this is that can't drive in two inches of snow. But it really set in that like, holy cow, if two inches of snow can do this, what happens if we get a 7-0 earthquake? Or what happens if things really go off the deep end? Because I, I kind of look at society like this, this thing that's just balancing. I know people aren't watching the video, but it's, it's kind of this thing that's balancing very carefully on a pinhead. And you get too much weight on one side, and the whole thing's just going to slide. And that's kind of what's happened in 2020. This is 2015-ish, and... I, I just go real deep into what ifs. And I kind of have this thesis statement that, wow, you know, my, my parents were farmers. Most people's parents aren't. They're growing up in a city. They have Amazon Prime and they have Uber and they have Alexa and everything's at their fingertips, right? I mean, 911, somebody shows up. It, it doesn't even matter. I mean, there's always, you can throw money at problems to make them go away and that works until it doesn't, right? And I just looking at, at natural disasters and political unrest and everything going on, it, all that is growing. And at the same time, life skills are diminishing. And I'm like, wow, we are going to come to a, a, a crux here where we're going to have a big problem. And so that's kind of where I had the idea to start Uncharted. So I, I came back from the ski trip and I had this idea. I did a lot of digging. You know, my, my research showed me that the right product didn't exist. I would go to these military surplus stores and you'd buy a survival kit and it was 50 bucks. And it was kind of like the leftovers in a bad backpack. Um, and I'd talk to people that had built these things and got, you know, I had a couple friends that knew people that had tried to do these and everybody said, don't do it. People don't buy it. But as a guy that's been around great brands, I was like, there's, this is junk and there's no story here and there's no, there's no message and there's no tribe and there's no community around this. And if, if we can, you know, take this from that kind of weirdo prepper guy, I would say like John Goodman in 10 Cloverfield Lane, where he's just waiting for aliens because he has his bunker already, you know, like that's what preppers were historically. And I'm like, if we can take it from that and make it the superhero's cape, right? Everybody wants to be the hero. So let's make stuff that enables them and empowers them to be, be the savior that day, to help their friends or their family or just take care of themselves. Um, and kind of be the heroes of their own story, I thought, you know, I, I really believe there's something here. So I, I spent my life savings. Uh, I developed the first product, which we call the 72. I basically went to all the people that I'd met in all those years in Iraq and climbing mountains. I mean, special forces guys, Everest guides, pilots, bush, do uh, bush pilots, doctors, EMTs, all these guys. And I, I kept saying, you know, I don't want to know what you have for you. You're an expert. You know, you've spent your life studying you understand these things what would you give your 10 year old son if you weren't there and there was an emergency like what would you give somebody that doesn't have the experience that's having this huge adrenaline rush and and fear and what's really going to be a difference maker and so that was kind of what informed the creation of that first product and we just kind of reverse engineered it from okay let's say let's say there's an earthquake what's going on okay it's dark you probably smell gas. Your door might be jammed. Um, maybe something fell on you. You only have one arm. You can work. You know what I mean? Like we started thinking about all that and, and it came down to not only product, but organization and, and guidance and really having um, a calm professional voice there to follow, you know, step-by-step -step instructions. And so that's kind of what started it. And we were, and we, we got the first product done. I put it on Indiegogo. You know, I, I bought all the inventory before because we were up against the holidays, and I really thought if there's a time to launch it, we got we got to go now, and I can't wait to collect orders because it'll be after Christmas. 
So I, I wrote a big, big check, um, pretty much all the money I had, uh, ordered a thousand units thinking if we can sell three or 400, I get, I can get part of it back and then I'll figure out what to do from there. And we ended up selling several thousand in like the first two weeks and set some records. And I had a bigger problem because I couldn't afford any more inventory and had all these orders coming in. And, um, I had this little 800 square foot apartment in, in Los Angeles and I was buying, um, or I was renting storage spaces just to store all the inventory I had coming in and away we went. That was kind of how it started. That is amazing. So, so let's talk a little <laughs> bit about, about the kits before I kind of move on to the next part of your story, because I do want to talk to you about Shark Tank and a little bit more of the business side of things, but sure. the kits themselves, I, I remember hearing about them from Jen and rolling my eyes. I mean, their kits are a dime a dozen. Yep. Then I went onto the website and looked at all the components in the kit and how well packed it is. And now I want mm-hmm. a kit. I mean, it's really, really well done. You've got all these reviews. They're basically, well, it's 100% five stars. People love it. Um, let's talk a yeah. little bit about what is in a kit. So what can someone find in a, in a, in, I don't remember all the names of your products, but sure, the sure, main sure. product that I see on everyone, that really cool backpack with the guy on the yeah. Harley, what's in there? <laughs> Well, and, and I'll, I'll say this too. Um, you, you're an outlier. You spend your time outdoors. You have experience. You can build your own kit. The thing I found over and over was everybody said, I totally need one. I just have no idea where to start. And again, we're living in a culture where people just want to check a box and throw money at something to make a problem go away or to feel like they're covered. And while you and I are probably different, right? Like I'm going to be honest, my, my, the products are called the 72 and the 72 pro. I have a 72 pro on my truck. It's different than the one you buy on the shelves because this is what I do for a living. I have a little more of this, a little more of that because I live in park city, Utah, and I know the environments I'm going into. And so I've customized it, which I recommend everybody does, but most people don't. Right. So what we did is we really just broke it down and, 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 the 72, and by the way, it's called the 72 because statistically, 95% of all emergency situations are resolved in 72 hours. Now, what that means is from a flat tire to September 11th, within three days, help is there 95% of the time. So my theory when I started this was, you know, you don't need $10,000 in a bunker. Nobody has space for that. Nobody has time to put that together. Nobody has the money. But it felt like a really strong proposition to say, hey, you know, for $350 when we launched for, for everything you need for 72 hours, it's going to cover 95% of the time. So, so that's where the name come, came from. We have the 72, the 72 Pro, which is designed for kind of two plus people. And then we have what we call the base camp, which is designed for four plus and it's in a Yeti go box. Uh, what's inside it? Well, it, it's kind of everything you need. When we were on Shark Tank, which you alluded to, Lori, Lori goes, Christian, what, what's the most important part in the kit? And I said, Lori, what's the emergency? <laughs> because, <laughs> you know, you could be in a boat and the water filter, you know, maybe isn't that effective or you might need to start a fire. You know, it's just, it's just, you don't know, you don't know until you're there. So at the end of the day, the human body, if you really simplify it, needs very few things to survive. It needs the right temperature, right? Not too hot, not too cold. Maybe you need first aid, you need water. You maybe need food. I mean, you can go weeks without food, which a lot of people don't realize. But if you can temperature regulate, if you can stay hydrated, if you have some injuries and you can administer triage to, to get by, maybe you need a little self-protection. Maybe you need some, you know, some some signaling. We've got ways to to create power so you can power your phone up or you have a flashlight, you have light, you know, um, 
things to create warmth, you're, you're good to go. So it's, it, it took a lot of thinking, actually. It took a lot of looking at a thousand different lists and talking to different people and saying, well, what about this and what about that? You know, when, when adrenaline spikes, you don't want a water filter that requires assembly, right? Um, because you could do it wrong. You pump it backwards and then you start second guessing yourself and then you're kind of spooling out of control. And you also don't want a life straw because, yeah, you can stick it in the river and suck, but the minute you walk away, you can't bring anything with you unless you're going to suck it up and spit it back into your water bottle, you know? So you start narrowing down what makes sense in these emergencies. And uh, that's the list we came up to. I mean, the 72 has like 35 to 40 different pieces in it. The 72 Pro has a handful kind of doubles for, you know, two hats, two sets of gloves, that kind of a thing for, for more than one person. And, um, you know, the list is on our website. I'd probably be boring if I listed it all off, but, but yeah, about 30 or 40 pieces in each one. It's worthwhile looking up. And even if you're listening to this right now and you're thinking, I'm never going to spend money on a pack, it's worthwhile to look it up to see what you guys put in your pack. Make a list of inventory. What I did was I looked at it and went, oh, you know what? To buy all that myself, I would just rather buy the pack because it's going to cost me more to try to buy it all separately. And you know, the other thing to keep in mind too, we just finished filming our, um, our lost in the wild, 72 hours as well. Lost in the wild wilderness masterclass with Tom Brown. And that's something that he does mention is that the number one killer is panic, right? And so to be able to have that pack with you, you automatically abolish a lot of that panic because you know that you're not totally stuck out there on your own. You know, you really have something to turn to. So I think it's a really, really cool product. I really do. How much does it weigh for a lot of us who go on rafting trips? Yeah, well, and and just to, back to your point, um, we have a link on our website that tells you how to build one of these things with all the ingredients. I mean, our goal is to try to make the world a safer place. If you don't buy from us, that's great. Go build your own. Like, I'm fully in support of that. But to your point, if you try to buy all these pieces separately, it's going to cost you not double, but call it 30 or 40% more than our kit. And a lot of the things that we have that help organize and kind of guide you, you just can't buy anywhere else. So again, I, I just want to make the world a better place. I want to leave my mark beyond just building a business. And um, our goal is to, to give people information. But what we find is, you know, when we started, everybody's like, ah, oh, that's a bunch of BS. I can build my own. And we'd be like, please, here, here's the link and tell us what happens. And I can't tell you how many times people came back in the comments and said, okay, I priced this out and it was like, you know, $165 more kind of a thing. So, um, you know, I think that's a, just a, a point I wanted to make there. Now, what do they weigh? Uh, the 72 is 11 and a half pounds without water. So very light. Uh, the 72 Pro is 16 pounds. So, you know, one of the problems I think people don't think about is if you've got a 40 pound backpack, it's going to burn calories. You're going to get sweaty. It's going to slow you down. Um, all of those things lead to bigger problems down the road, right? So you, I'm sure anybody out there that's been elk hunting, it's like you're cutting tags off your jackets to save ounces because you start going up a mountain and you got to hurry every little bit makes a huge difference. Um, and so that's one of the considerations we've had, right, is how do you make this super lightweight? You're talking about rafting. I mean, the bags are the roll tops. It's 600D tarpaulin coated, completely waterproof. I mean, you can fill it with air and float. You can put it around your chest and grab it, um, and it'll it'll float you down a river if, if you need to. So 
we've really tried to think of everything we can to just make every piece multifaceted. There's some hard plastic panels in what we call the insert. So inside the dry bag, you can pull out what we call the insert. It's basically the thing you open up like a book and it, everything's laid out and organized with instruction. But it has these hard plastic panels and even those are removable and we've pre-drilled holes so you can put your foot in there and run some paracord, which is also included through make snowshoes. Or uh, it can make an arm sling. There's holes drilled to make an arm sling. If you've got a broken bone or a broken leg, it creates a, a splint. So every little piece of that thing we've tried to engineer to be useful and not just weight you're carrying for nothing. That's so cool. So obviously all this stuff comes with a manual or you can see it online. Yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't need a manual for the most part. It's very intuitive, right? Like uh, on the back, it's all screen printed instructions like like injury or get warm or you know food and water, and it just tells you step by step. If this, then this, right? You got a bug bite. Here's what to look for. This is what shock looks like. So you can quickly assess kind of the most likely issues people face and make a bad situation better, right? I think a lot of times the inexperienced get into an emergency, adrenaline spikes, you start making decisions that make a bad situation worse. And so just moving in the right direction gives you more time. It, it creates, you know, encouragement and you start feeling better about your situation. So that's our goal, right? It's just to, to improve your situation and, and help you get through those 72 hours until somebody shows up. Yeah, no, it's really cool. I'm very genuinely impressed. Uh, okay, let's <laughs> talk. <laughs> what about from a marketing stance? Where do you draw the line between fear mongering and reality? It, it's tough because it you basically are forced to look at the worst case scenarios. But you know, I was going through your blog and I was like, oh wow, if a nuclear bomb drops, where do you draw the line <laughs> from marketing stance between scaring people and trying to you know market to what could happen in a unlikely scenario? Well, I, we never try to leverage fear. Um, you know, our tagline is products designed to make you the hero of your own story. I really like the hero idea. Right. And I think people buy into that. It's like, I'm a dad. I got a couple little kids. I, it's on me. I need to save the day if something happens. Um, yeah, we have a blog on how to survive a nuclear. I mean, at the end of the day, like we write a lot of blogs because keywords help help our Google rankings just to be transparent. And, and even that one is not so much like, oh my gosh, what if it's like, there's actually a way out of a nuclear explosion and here's what you should know. And I, I find that stuff really interesting. You know, like how, if you're in the basement of a brick building, your odds are actually dramatically improved. And the only thing you have to do is stay there, you know, and the half-life of radioactivity if you can stay down there for 72 hours, um, it dramatically gets better and you can come out and probably be safe as long as you're covered. Right. So, you know, sometimes you, you watch like Indiana Jones and one of those nuclear bombs hits and, and it, you know, you just think there's no chance of survival, but there, there are most times ways out of things. And I, sometimes I think it's just fun to think about, wow, like what if, and it's good information. But again, we really try to just sell the, the empowerment and the positivity. And I, I I think fear is a powerful sales piece. And I think if we would have cranked up the fear in the past, maybe we would have sold more, but it's just not a, a direction we wanted to go with our brand. And I, I think after 2020, people have seen enough that they don't, we don't need to sell them on that. <laughs> you know, we just keep telling people, Hey, um, we were here long before then we had N95 masks and N99 masks in our kit in 2016. Um, you know, like 
like we've been preaching this and hey, maybe it's time to reconsider, you know, if you weren't prepared this time. Got it. So how much did uh, Shark Tank help, help you out? Was that... Was that the sort? I know I read later on that you ended up going with Peter Chernin. Was it one of those things where after you had met Peter Chernin, you were like, "Ooh, maybe I shouldn't have done Shark Tank," or did they go hand in hand? No, we we the Chernin group reached out after we had filmed Shark Tank, so um, we kind of exploded on Indiegogo, and a few months later, got in touch with Shark Tank and went through this very long six month process of a lot of paperwork, a lot of video submissions, you know, a lot of. (laughs) everything background checks it's it's a very extensive process um it was a stressful situation and even the experience of shark tank which i don't know if you want to get into but it's like they were trying to keep you on edge the whole time i mean we were supposed to go on film on sunday and then we got bumped up to saturday on friday night and then we were supposed to be on it you know like walk in at around 11 and you know we did hair and makeup and then you know, it's like one thirty, and then they put us in the green room and then they tell us that, oh, these people are taking a long time. If they don't get done in the next 10 minutes, we'll probably send you home. I'm like, oh, film tomorrow. They're like, no, in November, because this is the last <laughs> day of filming. And, uh, and then they're like, oh no, they're done. Go. You know, I mean, it was, it was intense. And, and when you walk down that, that hallway, that is kind of the first time you see them. I mean, we did go into setup beforehand and they were kind of in the corner. So you, you had a couple seconds of like getting your stuff right, but then you walk out, you don't talk. And you come in and, and then there, there they are. So a really fun experience. I really enjoyed it. Um, I went on the show with my friend, Mike Escamilla. Mike is, um, he's a kind of a BMX, you know, X Games legend. He's done a lot of TV stuff. He was on LA Inc. He's hosted a lot of TV shows. And I had him come with me. He helped me start the company, had some product ideas and kind of helped me with kind of exposure. You know, he had a lot of famous friends that helped get our message out. Um, but he always said, you got to remember, all they care about is good TV. You know, that's all they care about. And so we thought about that for a long time. Like this wasn't, to me, Shark Tank wasn't actually about getting the best deal I could. It was about what do the people at home think after this seven to 10 minute commercial we get in front of them, really. So yeah. we we made our valuation really low because my thought was if the sharks are fighting over us, somebody at home is maybe not fully paying attention might go, wow, this is really cool. They all want it versus starting too high and then everybody rips you apart. You know, so we, we thought of every little angle. We ended up getting twice what we were asking for from Robert Herzog on the show. And um, we agreed to that. And then afterwards in due diligence, we had some other opportunities come up and we just had, you know, better offers elsewhere. Uh, so we ended up going a different direction, but I'll say this shark tank shark tank is like a, like if you're surfing, it's like a wave. I mean, you get ready for it. You see it coming, you go out, you prepare, hopefully you catch it and you ride it as long as you can, but that thing will end, right? A business is not made or a business doesn't die because of shark tank. Um, it's, it's a moment. It's like a chapter in a book. So that's something that I think a lot of people forget. They just think if I get on the show, I'm going to be rich, you know, or, or it's a ton of exposure. And I'm telling you, that was, that was our biggest day to day. We've had bigger days now since Shark Tank, but uh, for a little company just starting, I mean, the orders that came in were, were shocking, right? I just couldn't believe how much exposure it got. And it really did help our company immensely, but it's about, I hate to say 72 hours again, but it's about a 72 hour window and then the world moves on. Yeah. And what are you going to do next? How are you going to sell your next bag? Right. So that's, that's the big reality of it. it. It is funny because I'll be, 
I don't know, I'll be out hiking somewhere and my phone starts buzzing a bunch and I'll look down and have a bunch of sales coming in like right in the hour somewhere. And I'm like, oh, Shark Tank re-ran somewhere, which is really fun. Right. But, uh, <laughs> but um, you know, that's that's how I think about Shark Tank. It was it was fantastic. I highly recommend it. I just think you have to be smart about what you what you kind of or how, how you think about it and what your approach is. Yeah, that's fantastic advice for people listening. Um, what is the number one thing that you think all people should leave the house with? Like, I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a tough question. What is the, when you hear people going out in the bush, what would yeah. just dumbfound you to hear that they didn't take it with them? You know, a lot of times I think people underestimate uh, physical exertion and that usually leads to a lot of errors. So uh, hydration, right? I mean, water is life, first of all. If you're going out to climb a mountain and suddenly you get dehydrated and you slow down and then the sun goes down and then you're lost and then you're cold, you can see how things compound super fast, mm -hmm. right? So, gosh, I, if I was going to pick thing, one thing, I would. this isn't even a product, I would say just knowledge and a plan, right? Like know what you're getting into. Make sure that you've got a plan. When I, when I go out by myself, I've always got either my Garmin in reach or my little, it's called somewhere, a little satellite texter. So if I'm out of service, you know, and something happens, I, I can at least drop a pin and tell somebody I need some help. So, you know, we have technology now again. Um, we were talking before you started recording and I don't know how many times people have said, Oh, what's, what's your you know superpower? I just, this, a TV casting person, like I just talked to this woman she can tell you which plants to eat and which ones not to eat. And I'm like, my superpower is I bring two snicker bars because I'm thinking ahead. Right. Like, yeah. I, I don't know. I just, I, I'm not a bushcraft guy. Like I can't start a fire with a stick and a, and a bow and, you know, like I've never even tried, but I've always got two or three big lighters in my backpack and that has always gotten me through and they are super reliable. So I just try to make it logical, right. And make it simple. And I think that People underestimate the things that can happen. I'm not saying it will. I'm not a doomsdayer. But I, I mean, I've even had situations where I get, I'm like, oh, just off for a mountain bike ride. And, you know, suddenly I, I blow a tire and then I blow another tire and I'm way away from home and I got my dog with me and it's dark and there's moose and I've, my headlamp is a little dead. And I'm like, I, sh I am not the guy that should be in this situation right now. I should have thought through better. Right. But that's what informs how we how we build products. But it's it's really having a plan and a backup and just knowing what you're getting into and maybe communicating with somebody. I maybe that's not the right answer which one to hear, but that's the first thing I would tell somebody. Yeah. No, that's great. But I can see how everything centers on the seventy two, which is totally understandable. Uh, I'm going to sign you up for our well, bow drill masterclass. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. There, well, there's something so cool about being out there and making your own tools and your own kit and like knowing that you could in theory get lost out there for weeks on end and be just fine without eating your arm off or something. hundred percent. And I, I have, I have accumulated a lot of those skills. You know, I, I've learned over time how to do stuff, you know, build a snow hut or whatever it is. I just, that's one that I, I haven't done, but again, for you and I, we should know those things. For a lot of people, they're never going to go that far back. They're never going to go that deep. They just got to know how to like get through a little bit of time. And I just try to make it consumable so it's not overwhelming. And they, they end up being like, well, I'm not going to learn that anyway, so I might as well die. 
<laughs> um, I guess my last question for you is just about geography. So in going through the kit, uh, so you don't know, but I, I live part of the year in Canada and part of the year in Australia. So I split the year up and in Canada, that kit would have saved me a number of times, but down yeah. here, um, I can think of a totally different kit that would be necessary. Have you thought about making a kit for warm climates? Totally. Um, you know, when I started, it was just a limitation around resources. I only had so much money. So I tried to make one that hit the widest group of people. And all of our website, we talk about, hey, customize this, you know, make it appropriate for your climate or your time of year or wherever you live or whatever your activities are. I mean, that is crucial. At the end of the day, we tried to make something that just generally worked. Um, you know, my kit's customized. When I, when I go out into you know, people all the time are like, should I take this backpacking? It's like, I, I wouldn't. I mean, it's, it, when if you're going backpacking, you know, you're going backpacking, you should have the right stuff, right? You shouldn't need a mylar blanket because you should have layers of clothing and a tent and a sleeping bag. Um, right. so I, I always encourage people to think a little bit. This isn't, you know, this isn't a total foolproof push a button and a helicopter shows up type thing. It's going to help you get through. But as we move forward and as we grow and our resources get a little bigger, we, um, we're building different attachments for different things. So uh, a pet kit and a little kid's kit, you know, infants kind of thing and a cold weather kit. And, you know, we're working with some really cool brands right now and some projects working with Yeti, uh, Christensen arms, um, Harley Davidson. We've got a few more. I probably shouldn't name yet, but some big automotive companies and stuff. And everybody's kind of looking for, well, you know, what do, what do our customers need and how do you make this a little more custom to them? So I think moving forward, what you're going to see is we're going to have these base packs and then we've created attachment points on the outside and we'll create something that just locks right in that adds that kind of layer of protection for that environment or that situation. All right. Well, I'll wrap it up, let you get back to business. Um, where can people find all of this information? Because I do want them to go to the website, not just to look at the product or to get ideas, but there are a ton of great resources on the website. Yeah, thanks. Uh, our website is unchartedsupplyco.com. I should say that's uncharted, not unchartered. Uh, people get that screwed up sometimes. Um, and then all of the social media handles are just Uncharted Supply Co. So Instagram, YouTube, uh, Facebook. Mine's all at Christian Schaff. So pretty simple. And and honestly, um, we've done so much work on on search engines and whatnot. If you type in 72 or Uncharted or my name or anything, you should you should find it pretty quick. I, I hope that people do. Otherwise, <laughs> otherwise we're not spending our money well or advertising dollars. So um, yeah, hopefully, hopefully we'll be found that way. Got it. Well, I'll include all the links and uh, thank you very much for coming onto the show. Thank you, April. Appreciate it. And that concludes this episode of Anchored. Thank you for listening. legendary shows in the outdoors is on waypoint tv don't miss primo's truth about hunting wednesday nights at 7 p.m eastern on waypoint tv the destination for outdoor entertainment don't miss mondays with into the blue brought to you by academy sports and outdoors every monday night from 7 to 10 p.m eastern on waypoint tv the destination for outdoor entertainment